welcome, welcome to a world of myths and legends built upon the ancient world. It is I, Merlin the Magician, welcoming you to the Lost Continent. Discover the land of the once and future king filled with dragons of fire and ice. Explore with Sindbad, that's of a D, and sail on its eighth voyage. Be mesmerized by the lost city of Poseidon as gods battle in front of your eyes. It's pure magic, and it's all for you at... Over here, over here. Oh, uh, hey, what's going on? Yeah, all this, all of this has got to go. But my kingdom. Bulldoze that, bulldoze this, get the big tree stump, knock it down. My tavern! Sir, the lost continent is beloved. Nobody cares, bro. But, but the myths, the, the legend, the sacred texts. Nobody cares, bro. Surely the scholars would be remiss. I told you, nobody cares, bro. Get the castle, tear it down! Oh, if only that King Arthur Bruckheimer film did better. Damn Kyria Knightley. Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are you doing today? Doing well. It's been a little while, actually, it feels it like. Uh, yeah, because yeah. We, did, we did that two-part, but, you know, secretly behind the scenes, it was all one episode recorded in all one part. So, That's right. Yeah, so it's, it's been quite a while since we did an episode, just the two of us, but uh, we're getting back into it again uh, with a little episode uh switching corporation for some reason uh we're switching over to universal uh mm. from disney uh for a little bit of a change into islands of adventure but before that um i just wanted to uh go over again uh if you heard the disney's america part two you might have unless you skipped over it which in case i i don't blame you you probably were like what the hell is this uh you you might have heard uh my little four minute pitch for our ko-fi page um mm. and that is ko dash fi.com slash unbuilt pod uh if you go there you can subscribe to unbuilt unlimited uh if you go to ko-fi it's so it's ko slash fi.com slash unbuilt pod uh you can uh join a tier you can either be the imagineer tier or you could be the dreamer tier and i believe a dreamer tier is three dollars and you get all the unbuilt uh bonus episodes for free and if you are five dollars a month uh, you get to not only that but you also get your name right on the show and you also get uh the show notes for every episode so uh dorman you've seen all the show notes uh, you know how big they are this one for example um just to let you know uh, the one we're doing on lost continent today is 24 pages long mm. and so uh that is filled with a bunch of concept art uh that i definitely did not steal from what uh but uh that's why they're not it's not for sale because 
because uh, it's not a published book. It's just what I use. But it, it's it would be kind of fun. You get the scripts to all the cold opens and stuff like that. Uh, so you get that, and you also get uh, a look into what we're doing next on the show. Uh, and you can do that, or once again, you just purchase an episode uh, if you want. Uh, right now, uh, what should be available, um, and this should have come out yesterday, uh, that or Wednesday, uh, and it was an episode, a bonus episode on uh, me and you talking about my trip to Six Flags over Texas. And uh, we also talked about uh, what watching and stuff like that. It's kind of a fun little potpourri episode, which you can check out. You can buy it, purchase it for just a dollar, or you can join one of those tiers and uh, get all the upcoming bonus episodes for free. So, um, Hope you're looking forward to that. Um, anyways, uh, have you been checking anything else in the meantime, Ryan? Me? Yeah. Like, like checking, checking like the news? Or, I don't know, seeing movies uh, like a certain Spider-Man. Yeah. Did you see Spider-Verse? I did. I saw Spider-Verse in IMAX. Um, I think I saw it on Thursday on like opening night. Uh, nice. Nice packed theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's listening has already seen it. <laughs> It's like super popular. Yeah. We're going to talk about how there was a cliffhanger, maybe. Yeah. Even yeah. though, like, all the trailers, like, the, the first trailers had, like, a big part one. And it wasn't as if they decided halfway through, you know what? We're not going to put a cliffhanger on this. You know, so well, it should be obvious. Did they initially, like, explicitly title them part one and part two? Yeah. Initially, okay. So, initially, what it was is they wanted to do a second movie, but split it up into parts. But they didn't want it to be, like, a Back to the Future trilogy for which were like one is uh part two and one is part three but they're both separate movies they mm-hmm. initially wanted this just to be spider-man across the spider-verse part one and a spider-man across the spider-verse part two okay. and i think sony was the one who were like come on guys just make it just make this a trilogy just have you know it be across the spider-verse and then beyond the spider-verse Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I guess the idea is like you don't want to push people away from going to see the movie. Like if you see part one, then people get afraid of committing to parts. I don't know. Like numeric titles now are really out of vogue, right? Right. You can think of a single movie that's come out recently that's had a number in the title. Um, yes. No, you're right. You're Fast right. X, that's... maybe. And that even then, it's like still they play with those X. too so much. Exactly. Like one of them's like what Furious Seven, and then there's Fate of the Furious, and. Right. Every reboot is just the title or the character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Lightyear. Well, that, 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 unfortunately, Lightyear, right? You no, heard about it? that, I'm yes. sure. Yes, I know. He got canned. Yeah. Sad. It's sad because the movie blows. So I don't, <laughs> I feel bad, but it's also an awful, terrible, no good movie. So. Um, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't worth getting fired over. Ah, well, look, I'm not going to, we'll, well, we could talk about that another time. Poor yeah. Angus McLean. Hope yeah. I know he listens to the show. I know he subscribes to our Ko-Fi. He doesn't do that. Really? <laughs> That's news no. to me. No, 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 no. I, we're trying. I'm trying to persuade the audience to, to subscribe to your your Ko-Fi. Page. Oh yes, then definitely disgraced uh, director right. Angus McLean. Oh, disgraced! Oh my God, he, well, he's he's dis- disgraced from Bob. Well, he can go Iger, work with John Lasseter now, right? Oh, with Skydance. He can Mom go make that movie about the the kids. The, what's it called? The Luck movie. Did that come out? Yeah, that came out. Like, oh, last, really? That came out last year and it sucked. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, the yeah, not going with a t- numbered sequel just is what people do nowadays, I guess. Although I would say that probably the most appropriate 
with regard to the structure metaphor you could make or comparison uh, would be Back to the Future. I think Back that to this the movie future is like structurally. Two. Yeah, exactly. Yes, for sure. Uh, that or Empire Strikes Back. Now, the thing with like the Empire Strikes Back and I mean, I guess I guess technically The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi had they had a, <laughs> no, it had a cliffhanger ending though. Sure, I, I I think that, but I think with regard to the structure, Empire Strikes Back, I think is a little more like self-contained as a narrative. It, the first movie, uh, Empire Strikes Back, is a sequel, right, to A New Hope, of course, um, and it's a very sensible sequel that the bad guys they lost the first part, but they're back with a vengeance again. Back to the Future Part Two is super reflective on the first one. Yes. Um, and the way that it expands the timeline is very similar to how Spider-Verse does it. I just think that it's very similar to No, Back no, it absolutely absolutely is. The only thing it's missing of course is a trailer for the uh next installment right after the credits end because it was 1989 and nobody had the internet and they were Yeah, like, it's what the true. Hell? <laughs> so, you know, a to be continued that makes a lot more sense nowadays uh to zoomers who could just go on is like, "Oh, it's coming out next March." Okay, cool. I'll see it then. Uh, there's also Infinity War, of course, which ends with a massive cliffhanger. But that one felt like more of a like a sustained story because it was it was more of a sustained arc for Thanos himself. Right. And the weird thing about Spider Verse is that Gwen Stacy gets this arc in the film. They use right. this film to complete Gwen Stacy's arc, but there's also an arc that is unfinished. So it feels it feels a little bit messier and this is just a minor nitpick. The film is great. The film is wonderful. Uh but because there is the there is this very weird it feels almost as if the movie does not quite end at the right time. It ends like either 20 minutes too early or 20 minutes too late exactly like I, yes it's a very it, weird stopping point the, the the last shot of the movie is makes a lot of sense everybody cheered okay yeah literally the idea is uh very wisely they keep almost all of the friends from the first film out of the film and all they do is return. They return the like the main, the three main ones, which were Gwen, Peter B. Parker, and Miles. And at the end, they all come. Are we back. talking about spoilers? Oh, okay. Oh, I already <laughs> said spoilers. <laughs> oh, okay, at the sure. Beginning of this talk. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, so, so that's that's the ending, and it's a good cheer moment. But as for an arc, as for like an actual three act story, it feels like we get to the end of the third act. And then it just keeps going on. Yeah. Very odd. No, the best way like I've been able to think about this and I've been doing a little pondering since I saw it is imagine if Back to the Future Part 2 didn't end with Marty getting the letter. It ended with Marty meeting Mad Dog Tannen at no, the beginning I, of Part it, 3. I, no, I would actually a little... It doesn't... It's not that. It's Marty going in the DeLorean and going into the Old West. Well, because even then, but and, they, they motivate like a lot of... They spend a lot of time with Marty 
property in the West. I'm like light spoiler talking here right now, but the rough equivalent would be spending a lot of time because it's not just that he realizes that it's the West. It's almost the start of an entire new arc. No, I would disagree with that because in Back to the Future Part 3, the way it opens is that Doc from the future has told Doc in the past where the DeLorean is and to send Marty back uh, to uh, back into the future into 1985 to return and restore the timeline and he wants to be left alone and it motivates Marty to go to the West at that point. That's kind of like the Gwen Stacy you know going into Miles' old current dimension and talking to them and then uh, Marty kind of like getting that oh my gosh Doc you're going to die is almost the equivalent of Miles discovering himself and is he's in the wrong dimension and stuff like that. So you have sort of the inciting incident mm-hmm. occurring and then it cuts off with the inciting incident and uh, him going off to the rescue. Have you seen you've seen Evil Dead too, right? Uh I have seen it uh, oh, a very, st- very, very <laughs> long time ago. Have you seen Army of Darkness? I have not seen Army of Darkness. Okay, so yeah. like for the uninitiated in the audience Maybe I should be. I think you're right. I think my uh, metaphor is wrong. So I think I'll go, or comparison is wrong. So I'll go to a different movie. At the end of Evil Dead 2, Ash falls out of a big time warp and he lands in the Middle Ages. Okay. Um, he, he lands in. So at the end of Evil Dead 2, his car gets sucked into a time portal from the cabin and it falls and it's revealed that, oh no, he's gone back to the time of the Crusades. And that is the whole, uh, just the whole cliffhanger at the end of the movie is now he's stuck in the past. The beginning of Army of Darkness starts with him getting captured and then thrown into a pit. It almost feels like the power of the Evil Dead 2's ending and the power of Back to the Future 2's ending is that it leaves a lot open. I would have liked to have seen them touch on Earth 42. Like once they reveal that this is a different Earth and Miles is maybe, or not even like Miles is the Prowler, but things are different and there is a Prowler and maybe it's Uncle Aaron still or whatever. Really where it should have ended, it should have ended when the camera swung around. Yeah. And it showed that his dad was dead in this universe. I I think that's where the movie, because the problem with the the end of the movie is that they motivate that canon event the sheriff the uh the uh major or whatever captain needs to die uh and miles essentially now has an arc for the sequel film which is save his dad from people who are trying to keep the yes, timeline consistent the yeah the spot exactly and, yeah. and then the spot is there and he's all dark and he's uh right because he he is like across the street or something right before the end of the movie mm-hmm. um or the spot is is looking for looking to kill a bunch of people, and, and Miles knows that in the future the spot will you know inevitably lead to the death of his dad. Yeah, I think you have that really powerful motivator there. You have like a really strong emotional mm-hmm. cliffhanger, especially with the relationship between Miles and his father throughout the movie. And then the movie keeps going, and Gwen yeah. keeps talking to the parents, and Miles keeps talking to alternate universe Miles. And I get it; they they really wanted to get to that rescue moment where you see, oh, everybody's back, yeah. And that was like a big cheer moment. But I think they could have structured it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. You could have had that same scene. Yeah, you could have had that same scene. Like, Uh, I think that Miles, like, Gwen didn't have to interact with the parents, and Miles didn't have to. He could have been keyed in that there was, like, a prowler in that universe. Mm -hmm. But it didn't need to be so. The scene where he meets alternate universe Miles is really long, especially for the end of the movie. Yes. I thought there was a lot of talking for the end of the movie. So here's the thing Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. 
movie. I'm really excited for this movie. And the thing about it is that it's two it's two hours and 20 minutes, but the time flies by. You don't even notice that the f- setup for the movie is an hour long. Like, he does not go into Mumbanton. Uh, Mumbanton? Mumbanton? I cannot pronounce it. I'm sorry. I'm mush mouth today. Uh, the, <laughs> the Indian universe. Uh, yeah. And he does not go into that until about an hour in. Uh, so you're really not feeling time. And the scene where Gwen goes to, is about to talk, he, she's looking in on his parents. I figured, eh, it's a good time to go to the bathroom. Probably like, you know, got a good like 30, 40 minutes left, right? Mm. I check my watch and it's like, wait, we've, it's been over two hours. <laughs> I run back in like going, oh my God, this is the end of the film. <laughs> so I didn't even notice. Like it, it, it totally tricked me. It did not seem like the end of a movie at that mm. point. Like at all. Yeah, no, I I was pretty... I admittedly I was like watching my watch pretty hard during the movie, but I, I was the whole time thinking I'm I can't believe this movie's two hours long, two hours and change. I can't believe it's this dynamic. I can't believe it's moving that fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it kind of hits a roadblock by the end, but it it generally is like a pretty well paced movie. And um, I bet you these are these are I know we spent like a good 10, 15 minutes like going over basically a nitpick of otherwise a fantastic film, especially compared to what else is in theaters now such as the little mermaid (laughs) i I almost saw that i almost brought myself to go see it but i realized i would be a hypocrite if i complained for months about the live action remakes and then went and saw their live action remake Um, i did see it and uh i'll give you uh if you guys want to hear my opinion on it go check out the bonus episode uh so that's what i'll say Uh, (laughs) but otherwise i thought spider-verse was absolutely fantastic uh, if I was uh, Siskel and or Ebert, I would give this two thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see the sequel. Uh, you know, and I'm so glad that they they didn't go overboard with like the cameo stuff. It's very it's very densely packed in. Uh, it's very funny. It's it's absolutely enjoyable. Yeah, I, I have not not enough praise in the world for it. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm excited to see the third one. Um, a little hesitant, I think, uh, about the third one, but I'm excited to see it. And I don't know if they can nail the third one, which very few trilogies nail the third, yeah. while also having the first and second be great. They'll probably glue um, them together, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's impressive that they've done so well. Anyways, uh, with that said, let's move on to our main topic. But first, this. All right, here we are at our main topic, talking about the Lost Continent and its lost replacements. Uh, the Lost Continent, uh, Islands of Adventure, this keeps coming up. Uh, a, a lot of uh, islands, this is a park I've frequented way more than you have. Uh, yeah. Any familiarity with any of this area? Do you remember this area? With Islands of Adventure and the yeah. Lost Continent? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... So I've only been to Universal once and it was for a day and I did everything generally, but I remember the first park I went into at Universal was Islands of Adventure. And I do remember being pretty blown away um, by the entrance to the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember feeling like of everything in that park and everything at Universal, it was the one thing where I could say they had perhaps done something better than Disney. Right. Um, better than most Disney thing. Not that the rest is bad, just that the Lost Continent is like 
It, it is the lost continent in the front, right? I'm not misremembering. Oh, no, 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 no. You're you're misremembering. Oh. Uh, the port of entry is in the front. Come on, uh, yeah, close enough. The lost, the lost continent is between Seuss Landing and uh, the Wizarding World. Okay, I think I did go through there. Maybe I didn't even go through there. I could be just pulling stuff out of my ass right now. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you went between those two yeah. two lands, you definitely did. You might have not noticed because it's a very unnoticeable land. No, there's a chance that I went to Harry Potter and then walked back through Marvel oh, into that's, Seuss. That's, that's pro- that is possible. You could have done an entire sea route. I think so, because I went up through, I started at the entrance, went up, worked my way up through Harry Potter, got on the train, did the other park, came back, then went on Hulk again, and then went on Seuss and went home. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. I think I actually <laughs> didn't go through the Lost Continent. What That's am I doing amazing. here? Eventually, you're going to have to like feed through guest hosts who know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, uh, this wonderful topic is courtesy of the wonderful Alicia Stella. This episode is based on a video and article by her. Uh, she's from the Orlando Park Stop. We've had her on about Kid Zone episode. Uh, and uh, she is currently running a Stop Hate charity fundraiser for the month of June. You can check that out at Orlando. OrlandoParkStop.com slash charity and it runs all through this month um, and it gives donations to the Trevor Project to help out um, LGBTQ uh, teens and I uh, and I believe if it's uh, not June anymore you can just go and donate to the Trevor Project and uh, she would be just as happy if you did that and uh, so once again you can check this video and article up at her site and we will link this on our Twitter uh, so for sure you can check that out and uh, hear it there. So let's get into it. Uh, and now, if you see the first photo is of Poseidon's Fury. Uh, mm. So this definitely isn't familiar to you at all, right? I've seen pictures. You've seen pictures? Maybe I saw it across the water. I don't know. I. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sure is a land that looks better than it is. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's get into the history of it. About a year ago, we discussed Islands of Adventure's prior history as Cartoon World. Uh, this theme park, as second gate to Universal Studios Florida, was to primarily utilize the characters of Warner Brothers, specifically the Looney Tunes and DC Comics characters. When the deal fell through, Universal was left to pick up the scraps that remained. They retained the licensing for the Dr. Seuss characters, Jay Ward and King Fanchers syndicate, but not enough to continue the Cartoon World name. Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy and the lifetime rights were nabbed up for a song and development for a Jurassic Park themed expansion to the studios was shifted over to the second theme park. Now focused on an adventurous set of Atoll Islands, Universal sought creatives to come off two lands completely devoid of IP to short funds for the park, lest they spend any more licensing money. The first, naturally, this is what you were talking about, was the entryway for Islands of Adventure, aptly named Port of Entry. The land was mm-hmm more of a main street to get guests into the center ring and to begin their journey to the left or right and explore. This was a bustling tropical trading port and it served as more of a hub where the magic wanders in and out from the atoll across the lagoon. The second was a land based on myths and legends in the public domain. Not wanting to be condemned to any one legend, the idea seemed to be one of ebbing and flowing between various realms. The 
The first was the lost city based on Greek mythology. The second, Sinbad with a D, Sinbad, bizarre, Sinbad, bringing to life Middle Eastern tales, and Merlinwood, which recreated the days of King Arthur. In the Lost City, guests could explore Poseidon's Fury, a walkthrough attraction where they would wander into a crumbling temple and be whisked into a battle between Poseidon and Lord Darkanon. <laughs> Traction was fairly cheesy and an utter disaster upon arrival, necessitating a multi-million dollar redo in 2002. Many will recall the highlight of the attraction being the Water Vortex, an 18-foot by 30-foot tunnel of water shooting in a curved fashion that gets could walk through. You'd see that water tunnel right there that you would walk through. If you put your hand, try to like get a little bit of that water, it would actually shut off because if your hand were to go in contact of it, the jets were so powerful, it could amputate your arm. Oh, so wait, so if, did guests ever like try to reach their hands over or was it not oh. very frequent? Well, that's the thing. You're, you're supposed to be kept so far from it that uh -huh. you shouldn't be able to. But of course, some some dopes probably tried, but there would be like a sensor beam oh. that would shut it off. That's smart. Yeah. So they t tell you, hey, do not do this <laughs> while you walk through it. It's, it was very bizarre. I only got to do Poseidon's Fury once and it was kind of interesting and kind of neat. Um, I did do it at the end end of my vacation so my feet were like freaking killing me so it wasn't like a fun happy experience being on my feet the entire time but it was very unique the ending is super cheesy uh this hmm. attraction recently closed for the final time uh just last month and I implore all of you out there, please, please do yourself a favor and go online and check the video out. It is hilarious because that final battle is in the crappiest CGI. <laughs> it is so cheesy. Reminds me of uh, and then the revised version is in a very like um syndicated 90s television live action style. Yes. Ah, uh, it's so good. I have returned, it's so good you gotta see it both versions are so funny okay across the way was mythos the prime eatery and islands of adventure with amazing rock facade and it was much beloved always touted as the best theme park restaurant in the world Next was Sindbad's, with a D, Bazaar, mm -hmm. an Arabian-themed realm featuring a 1,700-seat massive amphitheater that would feature the stunt show The Eighth Voyage of Sindbad, with a D. The show was to be an answer to Universal Studios Hollywood's stunt shows such as Waterworld, an extremely elaborate stage themed to a grotto within the graveyard of ships. Sindbad, with a D, would search for the Sultan's heart with his such trusty side sidekick kebab at one point sinbad with a d tells his sidekick Sister! get it yeah yeah exactly they they weren't great jokes uh there was this trusty sidekick kebab and also the beautiful princess amora they go against the villain miseria and tell extremely bad jokes for approximately 20 or so minutes uh i believe one of the jokes uh was and this remained until it closed till 2018 uh was a uh either an oops i I did it again joke or hit me baby one more time one of those britney spears jokes yeah 
yeah, just really Thank bad God. writing out of all. But the set was kind of neat, if you could see it in the show notes there. Uh, <laughs> of course, we can't not talk about the Mystic Fountain. The Mystic Fountain is a fountain that talks to guests and sometimes spits on them. Uh, currently, this is the only attraction in the land. Hmm. Uh, moving on, Merlinwood sets guests in the time of King Arthur and featured the land's major attraction, Dueling Dragons. In an effort to beef up islands with major thrills that you would never see at Disney, Universal teamed up with white-knuckle experts Bolliger and Mabillard, who at the time were the darling of the coaster community. Nowadays, B&M is mostly known for their liquid, smooth, hyper and giga coasters. Uh, for example, in your neck of the woods, they did Candemonium at Hershey Park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nah. But in the 90s, they were intensity gods. Several Six Flags chains had purchased clones of their revolutionary inverted coaster, which they decided the theme around Batman. Using Hershey Park again, uh, you have one in the style of uh, this called Great Bear. That's right. Yeah, great, mm-hmm. great coaster. Yeah. Uh, Universal was rather nonplussed by the p- concept of simply getting another one of those and instead up the ante. What about a pair of dueling B&M coasters themed to dragons? And you can see these statues there. It's really majestic and really cool. With the unique launch-driven Incredible Hulk coaster, also by B&M, became an icon of the park and was fancied. Dueling Dragons made every coaster boy fall hopelessly in love with IOA. Members of Ace, American coaster enthusiasts, were actually taken in by Universal, presented with a scale model preview of the park before construction occurs, before to help sell that this park was legit. You can actually mm. look online you can see this video it's like a video compiled by these coaster boys i believe like they go to iapa and then they're taken over to universal in 97 and they're shown a scale model of the park and these they're all like crouching around it's like so that's those are dual b&m inverts wow and they're like freaking out they're geeking out and then there's like uh it's like followed up with like a bunch of drive-bys to check up on the construction and Mm. stuff like that and it goes all the way to opening day where they finally get the ride dueling dragons it's a great video i'll definitely find it before this episode goes up into it just such a great video i hope it's still online dueling dragons became the linchpin item in the marketing of the new theme park yes entered past massive statues of a blue and red dragon representing fire and ice the coach Poster track is also at an angle appears to go like out of their mouths to represent the fire and the 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 ice mm-hmm. emanating from them winding through the longest queue ever devised for a theme park yes wandered around a village seeing the coasters and all the near misses inside a derelict castle we pass through a catacombs filled with skeletons and fake human skulls all of which been fallen by tr- by the dragons the mission was to slay the warring dragons and win back castle however in a ferocious twist the guests become the dragon choosing their fate to freeze or burn so kind of the idea i guess would be that you choose your fate and you are either frozen or burned and you like go into the belly of the beast. Mm. So you're riding inside the dragon. The coasters trains were painted and styled to look like a snaking dragon with pink on the front cars over the shoulder restraints to resemble the color of a tongue. The train's weight would be calculated in the station and the lift hilt speed would ensure the coasters would duel perfectly with every single ride. The coasters would experience several near miss 
moments and come within 12 inches of each other for every single ride over a massive lake shaped like a dragon. The ride was often pointed to as a major park highlight. So you could see that this land was enormous. Yeah. Uh, it, ironically, this is the one that's not like, you know, tied to an IP, but it is the largest one. And it's mostly because of this ride. Look just how many acres it spans just with this massive ride layout. Across the way, guests could eat at the Enchanted Oak Cavern, carved out of an old tree stump about 50 feet tall. This also included a Merlin meet and greet. On May 28, 1999, Islands of Adventure opened and all of Lost Continent did as well. Less than a week later, on June 2nd, 1999, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets reached U.S. bookshelves, the second in the franchise, and went straight to number one on the New York Times bestseller list. That same year, Warner Brothers acquired the film rights for the first four books of the series. The Boy Wizard was quickly gaining traction as a brand new franchise phenomenon. After the first film, which debuted in November, November 2001 offered a visual language to the book series. Disney and Universal vied for the rights. We got to say a name. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I've gone this entire podcast without uttering her name, and I'm just ashamed that it, it has to come to an end. During Pride Month, Ryan. During Pride. And we're doing you? this doing this episode as we uh are trying to promote a charity for trans activism <laughs> yeah there you go look at that look what you've done some ally i know, I know. but they only took a year less than a year uh less than uh two years right to make the first harry potter movie that uh, no they... because remember the uh first book came on uk bookshelves in 97 well, when did warner brothers purchase the film 90... rights to the... oh well right i see what you're saying uh technically they did in early 99 yeah you're right that's impressive they turned a film around in yeah, two, wow. two years yeah so not, not bad uh, is it uh so you know, jk uh, she was notoriously protective of her series and warner brothers knew they couldn't go to six flags and have him simply paint a ghoster brown and call it a day an upcoming episode will unfortunately delve into the machinations of what could have been with potter because there is a lot to discuss there but needless to say in 2007 universal won out the rights in a deal that demanded they build a land that keyed specifically off the look of the film series in the interim lost continent added the children's coaster the flying unicorn and merlinwood to help offset parents with their kids as teens rode dueling dragons that aside this area of the park was mostly in stasis until january 2008 when merlinwood was shuttered along with the enchanted oak tavern and the flying unicorn with dueling dragons entrance being moved while construction proceeded in early 2010 dueling dragons closed but universal knew they couldn't shutter such a popular attraction so it and the flying unicorn were rethemed on june 18th 2010 the wizarding world of harry potter opened up and allowed guests to explore hogsmeade and its shops drink butterbeer and attend hogwarts school of magic and wizardry while the signature attraction was harry potter and the forbidden journey a ride with revolutionary kooka arm tech to make it seem like one was flying rethemed flying unicorn and dueling dragons now fly to the hippogriff and dragon challenge respectively were folded in the round lineup and you kind of see how kind of awkward this was you can see it's kind of un uh, under uh, behind kind of a, a wall and then it's just coaster track 
Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Kind of weird, right? So, yes, in the end, they did have a Baron roller coaster in an otherwise ultra-themed Harry Potter land, but not for long. On June 18th, the lines to get in the Wizarding World were truly massive, stretching all the way back from the back of the park over near Universal Studios Florida. It's unlike anything anybody had ever seen in theme parks. While IOA initially fizzled out in 1989, and Disney's counter of rock and roller coaster, and that's what it actually was, it was a counter to IOA, was hardly needed, this was enough to make the mouse sit up and pay attention and you've seen this photo i'm sure you yes yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. pretty iconic photo and i mean it's it is it is a bit unfortunate in hindsight isn't it like like to think about like where this this franchise was just 13 years ago and now what it kind of represents now Hmm. uh (laughs) universal knew they had a hit and immediately rushed an expansion universal studios florida based on diagon alley a location in the books to take over the Jaws ride area less than two years later. This expansion opened in 2014 to wild success. A Hogwarts Express train transport was added to connect the lands between two the two parks, eating up more real estate within Lost Continent. They also opened up versions of their Hogsmeade land without Dragon Challenge at Universal Studios Japan in 2015 and Universal Studios Hollywood in 2016. A year after the Hollywood expansion, Universal decided to ch- retire Dragon Challenge, aka Dueling Dragons, putting this once highlight back out the pasture. While Wizarding World appealed to families, they were uninterested in an intense coaster that never dueled anymore due to an accident involving a cell phone some years prior. Mm. Five-minute waits were quite normal at the time, and the entire coaster was scrapped. Two years later, it was replaced with the dynamic Intamin motorbike coaster Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which features multiple launches, animatronics, a reverse spike, drop track, and impressive theming. This ride rules. It's it is great. With all this incurring, the Lost Continent was becoming long, long forgotten. The eighth voyage of some Sinbad, with a D, shuttered in 2018 without a replacement. Its theater becoming merely a cue point for the popular Hag Ride poster. Just in last month of May 2023, Poseidon's Fury shuttered as well, taking the land's attraction countdown to a paltry zero. Mm. The only reason anybody visits Lost Continent is to pass through, by through to anywhere in the house in the park or eat at Mythos, which is still open or not at all if you're like my host. Needless to say <laughs> Universal has a, had a long eye on the land and numerous replacements have been floating around. Before we get into the unbuilt attractions uh, anything in here like from Lost Continent even like pique your interest? I, I would have liked to have gone on Dueling Dragons. I think that's really interesting. Um, the calculating the weight at the uh, at the at the, the the base is interesting. It's like just projectile motion the ride. Yeah I, I mean it just but nothing else really <laughs> really interested me to be honest with you. Not the Poseidon's um, Fury attraction. I've heard through. such horrible things about the actual about about all of it. Like I, yeah. I've just heard it's like neat technology to an extent. Mm, yeah, but that's the thing is I hope we don't get to the point where people are talking about Tron like that. Where it's like, oh, the ride's boring, but at least the queue has a little fun thing in it. It's a um, coaster. It'll, it'll never get to that point. Right. At least I don't think it will. Uh, I mean, Dueling Dragons, I think the biggest thing that killed it, I think it was twofold. Number one, it's in a what otherwise is a pretty themed land, and the connection to Potter was tenuous at best. Right. And two, it just didn't duel anymore because yeah. somebody dropped a cell phone and took out somebody else's eye. Oh, shit. Really? Yeah, that's, that's what happened? Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, so, oh, Jesus, some swear yeah, in there, but bad. yeah, that's 
once an eye is lost, I feel like that's the end of the ride. It's got to be. Yeah, and so it was kind of like pointless to keep it like even open. Right. So, it, yeah. it lost its whole draw. And mm-hmm. aside from that, it's like, well, you know, it's if you're in Hogsmeade uh, and you see a completely unthemed coaster, I can see why people would just be really turned off by that. Right. So our first replacement should be pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. It's more Harry Potter. <laughs> mm. uh, per Alicia Stella, even before the Hogwarts Express was added to the Wizarding World, there was talk of expanding the footprint to uh, for the boy wizard in Islands of Adventure. Concepts for a shrieking shack walkthrough attraction and a Whomping Willow flamed flat ride were floated after Diagon Alley was moved to Universal Studios Florida. They actually were initially going to replace the Lost Continent with Diagon Alley by a certain someone, a she who shall not be named said that didn't make any sense so they mm-hmm. moved it over to universal florida the shrieking shack could have been set up as an almost haunted house style walkthrough replacing the existing poseidon's fury walkthrough ending in some sort of show element like poseidon the Wampy willow would have provided a narrative transition to the shrieking shack as guests who would also wander in the forbidden forest from this point in addition to these dragons challenge replacements that were one time rumored to be either a boom giga coaster themed to the forbidden forest and even a mac inverted coaster there was numerous concepts that were drawn up uh but uh, what are your thoughts on possibly the shrieking shack walkthrough attraction uh? i i think i i think that harry potter uh could use more walkthrough attractions i think that would be mm-hmm. a particularly neat thing for them to do especially because world building is so critical yeah. and the way that they've been like there are walkthrough attractions they're just stores you know it's like yeah. there are walkthrough kind of things but I, I suppose that would be a neat idea the shrieking shack is that the the little animals what the hell is the shrieking shack I'm not too versed in Harry Potter and isn't there the little the, like screaming yeah I think it is hmm, yeah that sounds annoying you can kind of see a photo of a concept art of what it's supposed to look like there oh that's yeah well, maybe hold on let me look this up this is <laughs> this is this is because that's I not that shrieky, i think the shrieking shack is oh, something that's in it was the, the earlier films no it's an abandoned um, house on the outskirts of the village of hogsmeade it's from the third movie i think it's where the, the guy okay. turns into the werewolf okay yeah see I, i'm less familiar i'm more familiar with like goblet of fire more and on <laughs> i haven't seen the first three films all too much those are the good ones those are those are the I good know. ones in really? my opinion those are the the Goblet ones, of Fire yeah. is the best one. Uh, I uh, well, let's agree to disagree. Okay, I think let's honestly, ag- honestly, the last films kind of suck. So yeah, the yeah they do. Um, no, so this was in like a, a very brief part in three. I guess there'd be werewolves. It'd be like kind of spooky. It'd be like a Halloween Horror Nights walkthrough. Do you know who directed Prisoner of Azkaban? Alfonso Cuarón, right? Yeah, really, that still stuns me. Famous director of an <laughs> Autism Speaks commercial. Oh God. <laughs> we have to talk about that we could talk about him directing <laughs> yeah I, that's like my that's one of my John Lennon beat his wife things one of those annoying things that people have no reason to bring up <laughs> You're just, just like, to be I'm, an going, asshole. I'm going to ruin this wonderful director that you love. Yeah. By giving one thing. Did you see Roma? 
Uh, no, I did not. No, that movie's sad. Oh yeah, they they, they should make a walkthrough ride about that. <laughs> oh no. Um, no. No, I I I think uh yeah I, I think this is based on three. This is based on the the Quaron one. All um, right. Well, that's so. that is interesting. I did want to look it up. Indeed, I am autism for autism speak is on his IMDb. <laughs> Told you. Okay. He, All he, right. He, Let's not focus on children of men. Let's focus on that. Well, I just. I think one of his kids have autism and he's like, I don't know. It's one of those things where Hollywood people are really into autism speaks. Because, they well, they don't know any better, basically. Yeah, yeah. They're just little. Jigsaw puzzle piece makes sense. There you go. It's not patronizing at all. (laughs) How do we get to this? I know, right? It's my fault. The Whomping Willow flat ride, I think, is stupid. Uh, And it's it's ironic because... You've heard me say that I want a, uh, I was an X-wing spinner in Galaxy. You did Edge. you said that? Yes, I did, and we had a big argument. A whole, yeah, I stand by that argument. It's yeah. a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, but I don't want this. I think it's it's stupid and it's cheesy. I'd rather uh, have this than the X-wing one. Yeah. I'm, okay. Fair enough. I mean, fair enough. The X-wing one is at least would, you don't have to scale down yeah. the X-wing. Well, the idea is that you would be in the the car. You'd be in the car, and the Whomping Willow would raise you up and down. Oh. Are you, I thought, oh, that's that. Right. I thought you were going to be like on the branches. I thought that would be. I don't believe so. I think you were in the car. No. All right. Never mind. It's dumb. <laughs> okay. Next. Uh- <laughs> The next one is Christmas Town. Uh, there were also rumors of Universal building a Christmas land on the side uh, closest to Harry Potter would sit a Christmas village populated with various Rinkin Bass characters. Uh, I believe Jules Bass died recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if is Rankin still alive. Is I like how you you say we lost Bass, but we still have Rankin. We have Rankin. Is I don't Rankin know. Bass? Let's let's take a look here. If he's still alive, uh, Arthur Rankin. Rankin Jr. died in 2014. So both Rankin and Bass are dead. We live in a Rankin and Bass-free world, and you oh, didn't no. even know. I'm so I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, the characters that they've uh, made famous, like Frosty and Rudolph, the company had recently acquired these characters when they purchased DreamWorks Animation, who owns the back catalog of them. And uh, currently, I believe SeaWorld has the theme park rights. So you could see a little walk around characters of uh, uh i think it's um uh, so you have yukon cornelius there and i believe that is the bumble and uh you can kind of see a, a little christmas village that you can you can buy and i imagine it would look somewhat like that uh while various attractions were unknown rumors point to the Poseidon's fury walkthrough getting a santa's workshop makeover and a sinbad with a d uh theater uh, receiving a rudolph themed show Instead of the land continuing on, Seuss Landing would see an expansion with the Grinch Mount Crumpet coaster we talked about last December being the connective tissue. Likely this is all turned down since an entire theme park land dedicated to one holiday wouldn't be seasonally appropriate or possibly feeling a politically correct. Now, what is your opinion on an entire Christmas theme park land? I think we talked about this actually a long yeah, time yeah. ago. About I mean, I, when we talked about Grinch, I think we talked more extensively yeah, about, about this Christmas exact area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't remember my opinion back then, but my knee jerk now says that generally I think audiences would be a bit disinterested mm-hmm. in going to a Christmas area all yeah. year round. I know that 
like it's a hard sell in some cases. In other ways, people just enjoy, they might just think it's fun. To be clear, I think that it would stand out like a sore thumb amongst everything in Islands of Adventure, which I think is pretty active generally. Like what other things do you have there? You have Harry Potter. Jurassic Park, King Kong, Marvel, whatever the port of entry is. So I think, t- t- yeah, oh yeah, you have Wimpy. Um, I guess if <laughs> like, you look that's at what it, you go to you go to Wimpy and not Popeye. No, yeah, that's you, the character. Rankin and Bass and Wimpy could sit together pretty well. I think. <laughs> Let's talk about Dagwood because he has a restaurant yeah. aimed after him there. I want to go to Wimpy's Burgers, but it's always closed. It is always closed. It's sad. I hear the burgers aren't very good anyways. Well, he paid uh, yesterday. He, he, he would, Yeah, he would <laughs> gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Oh, yeah. My Wimpy is very proactive, actually. Oh, my, so your Wimpy I just said it. My Wimpy pays in advance. He, 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 <laughs> I take it back. He's a model citizen. No, I don't know. Oh, I think that Christmas area, he, he's really done some changing ever since he he left the incel community. Um, <laughs> He's turned a new leaf. He's going to yes. be donating $3,000 to the Trevor project. Uh, <laughs> and he's going to uh, buy uh, all of them hamburgers. He's not going to eat a single one. All right. Anyways, I think that <laughs> he would, he would, he would buy them all and try to give them away as charity, but he'd get so excited. He started licking his lips. <laughs> He could. He can't handle his old habits. <laughs> he's, um, he's like, oh, I'm just all for myself. Sorry. And he I, gets back on and starts being toxic. Or I think like a Christmas store in a park is perfectly fine. I think a Christmas area in a park is kind of boring and no one boring. would care. Yeah. You know, what's interesting? Uh, I, you know, I, over the past year or so, I've learned that in the East Coast and Midwest, uh, Santa's Village theme parks are pretty popular and they run year round and they're they're fairly small but i wonder if it's the idea that like east coast visitors are more used to having somewhere where you could celebrate christmas all year round well i think that at least to me what the draw of those things are are the same draw as um uh, what the what's that fucking place on the highway called that sells awful bag candy what that you go to oh eddie world eddie world yeah it's the same as eddie world where if somebody's staying in the area parents will just drag their kids to absolutely anything because we live in the middle of nowhere everywhere on the east coast Mm -hmm. so those like santa's workshop places are always in the middle of nowhere like virginia west virginia and as you get to the midwest if you're living in like Vegas, let's say, or even California or anywhere near big cities or big populations like Baltimore, um, Boston, New York. Yeah. Those don't exist. I've never seen one. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, there's a place called the land of make believe. Yes. Uh, I've heard of this. In yes. New Jersey. I went there as a kid and they had a candy cane forest and mm-hmm. that I always remember. And, and also storybook land in New Jersey also had actually, now that I think about it, there were a bunch of places near me that had <laughs> Christmas things, but they were never in big populations areas right so i think it's they're just tourist traps kind of okay. like uh south of the border in um mm-hmm. like north carolina i think that's so it orlando is. isn't enough it's too big of a tourist trap i think it? so so like you have like the little i would say that if you took the fantasia gardens or really the christmas one mini golf that's in yeah. disney world and put that in Virginia, it would be incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. But because it's in Florida, nobody gives a shit because 
there's other better things to do. Um, you know, I think yeah. if you put a whole Christmas thing together, it would be cool. But I, I think it would just be a little weird going in like May. Right. You know, maybe maybe the summer when families are going down might like it, and maybe the winter when it's winter. Well, but during like well, that, February, that would be the hop in place then. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's like it's a it's a it's an investment, right? Um, yeah. Because I, you know I, people I, go I, down for Mickey's not so yeah, scary. And I have or, to what's feel it called? Like people, yeah, Mickey's not so scary. Are no, you very talking merry. about the very merry one? Yeah. The That's right. I meant Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, people, uh, uh, Universal has Grinchmas. That's that's the Universal. But they don't have a that's right. hard ticket because, you know, Universal's nice. <laughs> They're nicer. They're nicer over there. And they won't it's better when they do hard charge you for the Charge you for the good stuff. Mm. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Willy Wonka. One concept that was pitched but will likely never meet in development was to bring the world of Willy Wonka into the Lost Continent. The two existing attractions would be torn down and replaced with a massive boat ride, just like the one on the Chocolate River in the original film. The land people are going to lean in and eat it. Not to cut you <laughs> off, but that like just to say so, it off already. Uh, uh, and Augustus Gloop every day. Every yeah, hour. pretty much. I and mean, people yeah. would because it's in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like Back to the Future with the skateboards. It's like people are stupid. They just do <laughs> what the movie says. Uh, the land would ex- extend Warner Brothers into the parks almost like it organically was to be. <laughs> so remember, it initially started with a bunch of Warner Brothers stuff and this would continue it. Uh, and they would grant Universal the rights. It's uncertain which film it would be based on on the 2005 Burton version. Uh, yeah, that movie's fine. Oh, really? You don't hate it? <laughs> uh, I think it's like, it's visually distinct. I mean, it's not good, but. <laughs> you know, I watched it recently. The beginning of it, like the first hour is actually kind of fun. When it yeah. goes into the Johnny Depp stuff, it's not that great. <laughs> well, and the unfortunate thing is that it's the inverse almost of the original um, where the beginning of the original is good. It's like a good little cute British fairy tale movie. Like it really, you know, wears its inspirations on its sleeve and you can tell it was rushed out like crazy. And it's really oh, funny yeah. too. Um, yeah. The really 71 well one. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And that one, uh, Roald Dahl hated because he hates anything whimsical and, and Jewish. Yeah. Blazing and Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but then, you know, the, and once Gene Wilder comes on a screen, I think it really becomes a classic. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of this is, yeah, there's parts in the beginning. I like there's a lot of the quick jokes where the guys in therapy talking about dreaming about the Wonka bar and his therapist is like enough about their, enough about your, uh, your wife. Tell me about the damn Wonka bars. Mm -hmm. Um, no, those are all great. Those are really well written, but the highlights in the factory. The inverse, I think, is the case for the other one, the remake, which I think has some incredibly inventive visuals. I think Tim Burton, like, even with his failures, up until Alice in Wonderland, was a pretty successful visual director. Yeah, no, yeah, um, you're right, you're right, yeah. But but Johnny Depp is written so awful, and I don't mm-hmm. care about his backstory yeah. at all. The where long, he the, the dentist stuff. Yeah, yeah, candy causes cavities. I used to watch that movie religiously as oh, a kid. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, look, I was five. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it does have one of my favorite jokes in any <laughs> Tim Burton film, which is when the grandpa is talking about his past and he's like, I used to work in the factory. I was much younger back then. And you cut to a flashback and it looks exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
It's a great joke. No, he's got like a real, I think Tim Burton's got a real knack for visuals and the movie is pretty well paced. I like mm-hmm. the beginning. I like the added kind of backstory stuff. Um, I like his father, Charlie's father in the movie. I don't think it actually suffers because of the music. That music was half-assed anyways in the original one. Do you ever? Uh, oh, the, I don't know, man. Those are some pretty good tunes. Cheer uh, up, Charlie. You're gonna go to bat for cheer up, Charlie. I'm not gonna go to bat for cheer up, Charlie. But you have the Candyman pure imagination. So that's <laughs> the funny thing. Did you ever hear? Have you heard that story about how the Candyman was initially supposed to have? It was other some other song was supposed to be at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and, and it was replaced last second. Yeah, yeah, that they had to call the guy who wrote the songs because he lived in like a cabin with no tele uh, telephone service. So they had to mm-hmm. call like a local bar to get him to write yeah. a new song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie has some. I, I I would say that the sequel music I actually kind of like better. Uh, really? Wow. The deep yeah, I mean, voice I think, songs, the ones. No, that no. They, I I think Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman's scored. good. He's got some good music. I think, I think that the I've got a golden ticket song is good. I've, and I think the Candyman song is. I've good. got a golden ticket. The Candyman and Pure Imagination are all in Pure that Imagination. Film. Three great songs. I think every Oompa Loompa song Oompa is kind of boring. Oompa Loompa song is iconic. Those are yeah. iconic songs. They're Those right. are they, baked into our culture. I think that the Oompa Loompa songs <laughs> and the visuals in that part, I mean, both of them are for different times, right? Like if you're, yeah, you know, the Oompa Loompa songs and that stuff feel like a British TV show. Okay. It, it feels like like the monkeys. If, well, if I were monkeys, to have I you say. hum the 2005 ones right I now. I could do every one. You could Okay, the reason why you can tell that is because it's all the same song in the old one. It's all the same song. Uh, the Candyman, the Candyman. No, not that yeah. one. I mean the Oompa Loompas. The Oompa Loompas songs. Well, yeah, yes, obviously. But I would a, argue, by the way, if we're talking about humming, I think that the music from the new one is catchier than Pure Imagination. Now, oh. Pure Imagination, I think, is a better song than anything in okay. the new one. All right. Uh my mom, who's probably listening, to you this, can't keep pulling I, this. You talk to people who this is the same as the DuckTales thing. If you go out on the street and you ask people, like if you went da 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 da, people would go, "What the fuck are you singing? What is that? Are you no, having a stroke? It's not, the, it's not the Pokemon pure, pure theme. Imagination. It's the if you went classic. No, but if you went bump 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 bump, people would get that. Yes, I think yes, more likely I, well, they wouldn't get pure imagination. They would get though. pure imagination. That is yeah. They'd get cheer up Charlie too, right? Yeah, they want to get cheer up Charlie. They get Everybody. the kind where you go springtime, yeah. the only <laughs> ringing time, birds sing, hating. You get the you get the Shakespeare. <laughs> Him on the bike. Everyone knows that song too. Nobody knows. Uh, what about? The, I mean, there's the creepy song. No one knows which way we're rowing. You it's know, a great scene. Uh, it's a great scene. I mean, yeah, the uh, okay. I, 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 the seventy-one. It rules. Uh, it's better. And, and that's that's the version that people know, though. And that's probably what getting back to this being an unbuilt attractions podcast. Well, we talked uh, about lost the <laughs> lost city or whatever for the first. <laughs> uh, this is uh, so. This is most likely based on the seventy one version. The land will be modeled after the town Charlie lives in, surrounded by the factory. A fizzy lifting drinking lab was also possible, but who knows how they would guess guests to fly off the floor. In 2016, Universal opened their own chocolate factory of sorts with the CityWalk staple, Two Sums Chocolate Emporium, 
as it's clear, Willy Wonka did not pass. I've gone to Tucson's Chocolate Emporium, and I've had some of their crazy milkshakes, and they're they're all right. It, it's it's a fun idea. I would have loved to see uh, Willy Wonka land. I think that, like, even if we're, you know, we don't have to necessarily go, you know, the 2005 versus the 71 film, because I'm sorry, we all know which one would win. And no matter what, it would involve uh, lots of chocolate and uh, crazy visuals um, and a creepy boat ride. And I think that's a great idea. And I just still don't know why. I mean, I think there was an Alton Towers. There was a bad dark ride boat ride based on the book like it was based on the book and it wasn't wasn't based on either movie but it is very strange how this property has never been fully developed for the theme parks i think it it is a little strange and i guess that's because again it's warner brothers who has kind of a weird relationship with theme parks you know they have looney tunes and uh dc air with six flags and you know, uh, again, bonus episode, talk about Six Flags Over Texas. Uh, and we'll get into that. Uh, but it's it, 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 even if they're um, their, uh, their Abu Dhabi Park, uh, the, you know, they didn't really do anything with the Willy Wonka franchise in there. And it's like, it's just sitting there. It's just so odd. I think it's it's so made for theme parks and nobody's really ever cracked it, which is very strange. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I think I think it'd be difficult because people would want to eat it. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I mean, really, I think people would reach their hand to the ground right, and eat right. it. And like, people I mean, would want to go and lick things. Yeah. Like I remember when I was young and went to the. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was young and I went to the land of make believe with the candy cane forest. I think I was an idiot and I licked the poles, like a yeah. dysentery. Oh. Um. <laughs> but people just want to do that. I think that that's just what the the, the hard thing is. Also, uh, the Wonka brand is like horribly volatile. I don't know why. Clearly, there's something wrong with it, right? Really? Cause, well, because they haven't <laughs> okay. ever been able to commit to actually selling the candy. Right. That's also because like the rights of it. I mean, you know, the, the history behind the original film, right? Oh, right. It was an advertisement for, for Quaker, Quaker Oats. Yeah. yeah. Quaker Oats and they, they the candy bar. Yeah. The candy bar that they didn't test shelf stability for, so they all yeah. melted before they could send them to the stores. Exactly. Um, yeah, and now Nestle owns the Wonka trademark, and they will infrequently use it. Like, they had the Wonka bars for a while, and then they would put Wonka branding on nerds, Laffy Taffy, Gobstoppers, Sweet Tarts, but they don't do that anymore. Yeah, the, the, um, do you know what the Wonka bar was? If I remember ever, correctly, it's graham cracker, right? It's it's very strange. It is. Uh, there were two versions. It was a, a, a chocolate with graham cracker, right. and there was also a chocolate of marshmallow. Uh, so those were the two different kind of Wonka bars you could get. Yeah, and I always thought that was very strange because I always thought of a Wonka bar as just being. It's kind of a big like Hershey bar. bar. Yeah, Hershey yeah. Bar, right? No, it, it is odd. And they I don't do you ever have donuts? Do you ever have that? No, I know what you're Wonka talking about. Wonka donuts. I had that when I was young. And then they also had this was the one that was weirder, is when they discontinued the Wonka bar, they waited like six years, and then they came out with that line of premium scrum diddly umptious bars. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. I remember I've never had They're not them, very good. This happened, and they also had a weird version of the uh, the Gobstoppers. 
Did they really? Uh, yeah. And mm. I mean, yeah, I know it's 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 kind of improbable, but it is a fun fantasy. And you, there's a lot of food and bev, even if the food and beverage, I mean, everything in Willy Wonka is a bunch of impossible food, you know, uh, gum that replicates a three course meal that would eventually turn you into a blueberry. And <laughs> uh, and there's also, of course, uh, drinks that would lift you up off the ground. Well, that's um, where I think it would have been a good idea to uh, instead have just a restaurant which of course toothsome has already kind of mm-hmm. done like it's already a little late but yeah. i would like to see somebody try an in theme park restaurant I'm where they want... get experimental with the food mm-hmm. i mean obviously it's hard because you have to sell meat and like yeah. res- and like food uh, i know hershey's did that new restaurant that sells like chocolate ribs and it's supposed to be kind of nasty <laughs> um but yeah the uh the Wonka thing, I think it would be really cool if you like went on like a boat and then that took you to the restaurant. All you right. Know? You're Maybe not getting a, a reservation to that ever. It, yeah. Wonka is like experiential lab or something like that. That would be cool. But a really cool idea. And now we're going into like pure like speculation. Like this would be cool for the fizzy <laughs> lifting drinks. What you do is you all get into like these ride cars and then they give you a drink and every time you take a drink you're it's like you're a fixed to Do like a drop tower vomit really hard <laughs> So every time you drink, your seat raises. You shoot up straight into the air, and if you stop <laughs> drinking, but then it's like you go up, and then you're gonna hit the fan, and it's like they're like, okay, if you want to get down, you gotta burp. You're like, crap. <laughs> so you have to force yourself to burp, and only when you burp, your your seat will lower, and you can get out of restraints. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, just an idea. And then after you do that, uh, you go into a room and Gene, a guy playing Gene Wilder yells at you for stealing fizzy lefty drinks. Yeah, and Tom and Jerry are there. Yeah, they're, they're in the background. The next one is How to Train Your Dragon, which I'll briefly mention, but I won't get into too much. Uh, the idea was eventually moved to Epic Universe, but they did consider transforming the land into the Isle of Burke from the How to Train Your Dragon series. Very similar to the current plans being constructed, the Sindbad with a D theater would have been turned into an indoor stunt theater with the show Untrainable. The Poseidon's Fury attraction would have been transformed into an indoor suspended roller coaster where you ride on a dragon. This would be a Mac suspended roller coaster for more of a family dark ride flavor. The current Epic Universe land instead features a launched mock roller coaster, but no suspended coaster. The theater traction did get transferred, though. Uh, now, did you see that they're the, the way that they're justifying this How to Train Your Dragon world in Epic Universe? They're making a live action reboot. What? Yeah, you didn't see this. They actually cast Hiccup and Astrid. Getting a lot I'm of not gonna. I don't watch reboots. I don't watch. <laughs> don't reboots. watch reboots. <laughs> no, I don't watch them anymore. Uh, well, if in case you're interested, uh, I know that the actress who played um, uh, Pedro Pascal's daughter on The Last of Us, uh, she has his been, daughter or not Ellie, Ellie not Ellie, his daughter um, from the Sarah. Star. Yeah, Sarah. 
uh, his daughter, she's been cast as Astrid. All right. So, well, anyways, it's Grimace's birthday, I heard. So. Yes, it is. Yes, and you can get a purple shake. Uh, so I see, see that's how um, you want to. to I, I don't that. care about live action remakes. I don't watch them. I won't watch them. I if you think animation is cinema, and you really think it's its own unique art form, then you should not go see any live action remakes. <laughs> <laughs> there are there have been zero good ones that have stood independent of the animated movie, and if you keep giving Disney your money, they'll keep doing it. So I still like the Jungle Book, but okay. No, uh, the Jungle Book one is good, but it is not better. I don't think. No, I agree. And also, agree. it's close. It's more based on the book. Yeah, kind of. Uh, but uh, the How to Train Your Dragon Land at the Epic Universe does look good, and that is based on the animated films. So, oh, I didn't see the animated films. Oh, those are good films. Those are those are solid. They're solid. Yeah, I've heard movies. good things. Uh, so the last one uh, actually may be the current one, and normally on this podcast, I don't want to talk about unbuilt attractions that may come to be, but I have on good authority that this specific one is not. Uh, so this is the legend of Zelda and you have been playing tears of the kingdom. How's that going? Dude, I, I, I checked my play time yesterday and I thought I'd been playing for like maximum 10 hours, but I played for 25. Nice. So I've just been kind of, I've been kind of lost in it. I mean, I've played most every Zelda, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm excited. I, mean, I want to talk about Zelda here. I'm excited, but yeah, I've been just lost in, in Tears of the Kingdom, and you should get it too. Yeah, or at least Pikmin. Yeah, <laughs> at least Pikmin Four. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I. I mean, I played Ocarina. The only ones I've played are no. uh, the 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 Link to the Past and Ocarina of Time, and I haven't played any of the other. So you don't have to. I, I guess I could just pick it up and Breath you know, of the Wild build, and build a, a giant uh, pickup truck or a big dick uh, robot. A dick robot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I could do that, but uh, I don't know. I I gotta. I gotta focus on like editing this podcast, and I can't get lost. I can't get lost, Ness. Well, you just I'll do what I do. Ever, you work never... until midnight, and then you play from midnight <laughs> to two, and that's what you do. <laughs> that's what you do. Uh, so, when Nintendo collaborated with Universal, they sought to bring many properties of the park. One idea was taking Lost Continent and making it over into the Hyrule Kingdom from Zelda. While I'm remiss to talk about the attractions that may very may likely come to pass, it is likely the star attraction of this hopeful land would never come to pass. And this is really cool. So what this is, uh, situated inside a massive show building that would flatten both the Sinbad Vitti Theater and Poseidon's Fury attraction, guests would board a boat and float through Hyrule until Pixies magically transform your boat and it transitions into flying mode for the rest of the attraction. Jaws meets E.T., if you will. It's likely with the Poseidon's Fury closed, Zelda will be the replacement, but with a lesser just boat ride instead. So what do you think about this attraction? Isn't it cool? You can see the patent in there. It's a really neat idea. Um, it's a really neat idea. And, and it seems like it's operating not in the same technical vein, not at all, actually inverse, but a very similar kind of cohesion between set and vehicle without making it look oblique as um, mm-hmm. uh, Donkey Kong. Now, of course, it's inverse, but there seems to be this really immersive quality where you'll feel like you're actually in the space mm-hmm. um, and there'll be like a, re- a little subversion of where your boat is. It seems yeah, neat. What, what I like is like you can see like there's a 
waterfall coming up. You can see it. it's like a really steep waterfall. And a, right. uh, behind you comes the scoop that scoops your vehicle up uh, and it's suspended on a track above. And it, you then you take off. Such a weird, neat idea. That Why are the people in the seats so angry? Why are the people in the seats so angry? I don't know. Why are those maybe. chairs? Oh, I thought those were frowny faces. No, those are people. No, those are people. Those are very uh, unhappy people. Maybe they're like, <laughs> we wish we were flying. There you go. <laughs> Pat- uh, no. People doing patent art just get bored of saying. Yeah. I- I'm curious about how they would hide the, um, the, the, the piece that's attached to the ceiling. I imagine they would just make it very dark. Yeah, um, probably. Suspension of disbelief. There you go. Suspension. Ha ha. We get one good joke in episode. That's okay. But what do you feel like? Do you feel like this fits Zelda or. Oh, um, you've, you've read the plot, right? Like this is, does this ride vehicle fit Zelda? I don't know. The weird thing is, is that Zelda's not very infrequently. Are you on a boat, uh, in like a river? Um, I don't know. Not to be like pedantic. That's the thing. I mean, Obviously, with Zelda, they're, they're they're not going to they're not going to put everybody on horses. They should, <laughs> but if, you have to think about a different way to convey people through an attraction. No, that's true. And if you need to do that, I mean that. Okay, look, I have a big I have a big issue with video game rides. I've been really thinking about it a lot lately. How video games are purely are difficult to translate to rides because they lack uh. Rides generally lack interactivity, and more specifically, they lack like individual interactivity. Because yeah. um, Link is like not a character. I don't really care what Link is doing. Mm-hmm. I care what I'm doing as Link. Um, but so, it, it, but you, you, you want to explore the world. Well, I want to explore the world. I want to have some meaningful interaction with it, kind of like Mario Kart. Like Mario Kart's really specific about that. Right. And I think okay. Donkey Kong because it's going to be like a level where you're going through the minecart would also be interesting like that. Yeah. I I'm, I'd like to see a Zelda boat, right? I think it'd be cool. I would you like a Zelda attraction to be. That's a good question. I mean, it's not going to be that shitty evermore park where it's just crappy live action. (laughs) playing. Come Uh, on. You can't say it's shitty. (laughs) They put a lot of work in. Didn't we have someone on here who worked on that? Maybe I don't remember. A long, <laughs> that, that long was, that time was, that ago. That was on the old podcast. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think we did. Um, what would a Zelda ride look like? I don't know. I don't know. It would be particularly hard. And it's true that probably the best way to do it would be a boat ride that mm-hmm. kind of floats in the air. Yeah. You. It's hard because the big draw of Zelda isn't like Mario Kart. It isn't like Donkey Kong. It's not high octane energetic action. It's very solemn slow moving and walking like the question would be very similar i think to how would you make a metroid ride and it's like well i don't know because metroid isn't like alien in metroid you have to walk through and explore and there's no exploring on a ride so yeah i think it'd be a a boat ride would be neat i think maybe more energy would be cool um i know you couldn't quite use boats but you might be able to use like if you or sorry, I know you couldn't use horses, but you might be able to use shrine technology and have it go fast or maybe have it be like a shooter with like archery. You know, like you have a crossbow that you can shoot at targets or something like that. I just think that not being involved with the rest of the outside world is a little weird for 
for for Zelda. I would almost actually weirdly say that Pikmin might be more appropriate for that. But <laughs> Pikmin, yeah, you drive around, you see the little Pikmin playing. You know, you know, it's like Charlie a, Chaplin. You know, you know, in the um, uh, Super Nintendo world, there's hidden Pikmin all around. I, I did. I saw. I saw a picture of that, and it, Miyamoto can't go anywhere without bringing his Pikmin. Mm-hmm. Trying really hard to make those work. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to know. I think combat's big in Zelda and not having combat's a little odd, but I guess like a boat ride through Hyrule where you see all the people, maybe you see Ganondorf at the end. It just couldn't be Navi River Journey. I guess that's what I mean. Yeah, well, that's what you mean. It has to have some sort of dynamic thing. It's there. I think it, that it, if it you could, it cannot yeah. be a, it cannot be a chill ride is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are a variety of ways to do it, and it doesn't necessarily need to be a boat ride or not a boat ride. It just can't be a calm boat ride that lifts into a very elegant and pretty part. Okay. Um, I mean, frankly, there's a variety of... If you're borrowing from a specific game, there's a variety of options. There's the Wind Waker's boats. There's Skyward Sword's birds, if you really wanted to do Skyward Sword. Um, but if you're not, then I think you have to do something a little more involved than just a boat ride. I, I like how Avatar, uh, Flight of Passage balances active and inactive moments, how you go through combat just as much as you go through a quiet cave. So this would have to do something similar, I think, if it wanted to capture the full Hyrule experience. Um, but then the ride would be like 70 hours long and people will be posting spoilers of it on Twitter. So. <laughs> it's true it's true and i saw all those spoilers and i was like hmm i know what some of these words mean you know so that was kind of like the the way that i reacted to it mm. but uh yeah okay so uh let's uh let's uh wrap things up and let's see if we want to build it or not do we want any of these replacements to be built or not uh let mm. you go first any of these the only one that interests me out of curiosity I think that Willy Wonka interests me. Mm-hmm. Out of just being a Zelda fan, I like Zelda. Well, and good news. It, that's probably what you're getting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little hesitant because I think it is going to be incredibly hard. Why did I just get a Reddit update from Reddit themselves telling me Taylor Swift broke up with Maddie Healy? Oh, that's so no! weird. Like, it wasn't a subreddit. It was just Reddit itself. Oh, letting me. Anyways. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, Zelda I'd like because I just like Zelda. Willy Wonka I'd be very curious, though I, I'm not certain it would work out. But ultimately, I would really prefer they expanded Harry Potter. I don't like Harry Potter, but of all of the ideas that are up here, I'm most interested in seeing them do the uh, the winter kind of shriek house at a distance because I think it would add a lot of interesting texture to Hogsmeade that isn't there. And I'm not quite sure I'm confident that Zelda can be translated in the same way Mario was. Because Mario, Zelda doesn't have iconic locations. Like Mario, it's the, the coin blocks and Mount Beanpole and Bowser. It's like great. Ooh. It's like who, who the, the Temple of Time is knowledgeable. People know what the Temple of Time is if they were born in 1995. If they weren't born after, uh, you know, if they didn't play Ocarina of Time, they don't know it. So, yeah, I think Harry Potter is the one I'm most interested in pragmatically. Nice. All right. um, Me, myself, personally, because I think it looks really cool, I would love to see that Zelda boat ride slash flying uh, attraction combo. That looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, But if we're talking about things I really want, I want Willy Wonka. 
that's something I've always been interested in and wanted. Explore Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. As improbable as it might be or not, I think it's a really cool untapped theme park idea that the the potential hasn't really been uh, tapped on. I, I just... I think that if we went into the world of Willy Wonka and trying to enjoy all of the fruits and chocolates of his labor, we might get diabetes, yes. But uh, we would also have a really cool time because uh, the dude was crazy and the ideas are crazy and the visuals are crazy. And God forbid uh, I don't live my life out with, you know, going through a tunnel and seeing it's a chicken's head get cut off. I you pour a bunch I'll, of chocolate I'll, in a pool. and Yeah, it's getting seeing somebody dive into the water and get sucked up in a tube every day. Maybe that would be a cool thing. Somebody gets sucked in a tube every day. Uh, so that, that's personally what I want um, to see. But yeah, anything else left to say on a lost continent before we wrap things up here? Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Not <for> uh, <laughs> all right. So that's going to do it for us today. Once again, we'd like to thank Alicia Stella for this wonderful video uh, and article that helped us uh, with coming up with this episode. Uh, you can donate once again, orlandoparkstop.com slash charity. Donate to the Trevor Project today, uh, all through the month of June. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at Unbill Pod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and read us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify or wherever you find this podcast. We currently have a Ko-Fi at Ko-Fi.com slash unbuiltpod. For $3 a month, you can get bonus episodes and for $5 episodes, you can get your name read on the show. We'd like to thank our current contributor, Joseph and Tony. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing if you don't like us. Thank you for listening to Get Played. I'm Matt Apagaka. Thank you, guys. Yes, this is a mysterious land filled with romance and adventure. But you need not believe me. Simply ask the fountain. It's magic with attitude.